Looking for a graduation gift to inform, inspire, and encourage? When you give a subscription to Christianity Today, you're giving redemptive, relevant news and thoughtful balanced dialogue about the church, current issues, and public theology. Visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to get a discounted student subscription for the graduates in your life. Starting at only $2 per month, this gift will engage and grow their faith throughout the year. Click the link in the show notes or visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to order now. We feel like we got to go to church and just be in the shell and kind of act fake. And, and as soon as we get out of church, we even if you're not doing nothing crazy, you just don't act like yourself. You feel what right, I'm saying? Right. And I feel like God knows us for who we are. He going to see us regardless whether we put on or not. This is Where You're From, an origin story podcast at the intersection of faith and culture that digs into the influences and experiences that shape who we are today. Join us as we gain insight into the Bible's wisdom for all, regardless of where we're from. Hey, y'all, this is Rasul Berry. Thanks for joining me on Where You're From. This week, I'm pumped to talk to the young rising hip hop star, 1K Few. It doesn't take long to experience how Few's passion to authentically proclaim Christ in a context shaped by the Atlanta hip hop scene motivates him and his music. You can find out more about 1K Few by clicking on the links in the show notes or by visiting whereyoufrom.org. That's where, Y A, from.org. Please join me as I ask 1K Few, where you're from? Man, I am from Atlanta, Georgia, the east side of Atlanta, man. It's a blessing to be on here with y'all today, man. What it do? What y'all got going on? Yo, we are so excited to have you on. I've been a fan of your music for a while, but the thing that I've also been a fan of, you got hang time. Your locks are almost you know, <laughs> with mine Ooh, right here. Yeah. Oh yeah. See, see you hiding <laughs> yours, boy. Yours going to the flow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yours is looking good too. And we got the braided thing going on, for man. For sure, for sure. Tell me a little bit about life growing up for you in Atlanta. Like what was some of your influences and what shaped you growing up? Man, basically, long story short, if I can make it short, I basically grew up in church, really. I was a church kid. My mama had a drug addiction. Hmm. Uh, every Sunday, she drug us to church. <laughs> uh, we, we, we ain't had no choice, boy. Like, we, we wake up every morning, that's where we're going. But at the same time, it's like we went to church in the middle of the hood, though. You feel what I'm saying? So it's like I'm going to church, but at the same time, I'm getting exposed to all type of things, you know, I'm going back to the neighborhood. I'm just asking to go outside and play basketball, and I'm getting exposed to all type of things. So, I don't know. It's kind of like certain things I couldn't dodge. And uh, even though I knew better, I didn't necessarily always do better. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I really had to go through life and find God for myself because that's really when I when I got the relationship with him, for real, for real. So Yeah, so I was going to say one of the things in the previous interview you mentioned was how – Growing up with a mom and a dad was kind of unusual. And, yeah, you know, t- t- tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I was the only one in, in my squad. I was the only one with two-parent household, for real, for real. It's like every time I would run with them, every time I'd go outside, try to go on a mission or something like that, like kind of roast me type thing <laughs> on something like But you Now that I think about it, it's like they really was trying to keep me away from that because I was the way out. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I was the one that everyone's seen an obvious future for. I mean, that's really interesting that folks saw something that they didn't have 
and they valued it enough to say, don't blow it. Like, right. we don't have it that way. Do you think that there was something also about you that they saw or was it just even just your circumstances? Oh, yeah, for so, for mm. so, for so. Like, because I don't believe in coincidence. At all. Mm. I believe God got a purpose for every single thing. So I feel like he put me around those people for a reason because even like just the way I moved and just... I feel like they felt my spirit. Like they, mm, they felt me yeah. more than they saw me. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a song that you are on called Church House Trap House. Yes, sir. And I feel like in a lot of ways, it kind of takes a snapshot of this tension that you're talking about. For those that don't know, it kind of break down what a trap house is and why this contrast that you draw between the church house and the trap house in the song is so kind of powerful. Right. People have a lot of definitions for trap house these days, but really the original definition of trap house is a place where you sell drugs, like, you know, different type of narcotics, stuff like that, and police shut it down, and it's just all type of stuff going on that people ain't got no business doing. But the inspiration behind the song, my church was literally next to a trap house. We would literally have them come to church. Like, we would have a church van, pick them up, bring them to church, and just all type of people, like, just drug dealers and Mm. Just all type of people in church at a young age, but I'm so young, I'm not really knowing what's going on. I, I'm I'm really thinking that these are homeless people because it's mm. it's the difference between when somebody's homeless and right. when somebody's on drugs. You know what right. I'm saying? And I didn't really know the difference at that young age, and I didn't really know what was going on. Like when I would go in the bathroom and see somebody wiping nose and stuff like that, I didn't really think anything of it. You mm. feel what I'm saying? I'm I'm five years old, right. so it's like. That's really where the concept of the song came from, just really my upbringing and how I came up. Yeah, and so it sounds like in some ways your church was doing outreach with those who were affected by drug addiction or use. And then even there were some of those who were participating in various activities that were also drawn to church themselves. Facts. They were looking for something beyond even just what the street had to offer. That's real. That's real. And I ain't going to lie, man. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I definitely wish— Churches nowadays did more of, yeah, and that's outreach. Right. You feel what I'm saying? Like right. I, I used to love outreach, and just as a kid, I remember we used to always go do outreach. Mm. And I feel like we we definitely got to bring that back. Yeah, yeah. And so the interesting thing, though, is you mentioned before, and even in the context of your own story and your songs, that even though you grew up in this great upbringing that other people saw was an advantage and a step up that you had from them, you were still drawn in a lot of ways to the street. Right. You know, what do you think was some of that draw for you? Just culture, mm. coming up around friends and just being young. And, yeah. You know, when you're young, you feel like you got something to prove. Yeah. I was just young. And I, I wouldn't even say I was around the wrong crowd because... It's like you go outside, you around the crowd. So it's like you're a party at this point, you feel what I'm saying, unless you're just going to be a loner. But, you know, at a young age, you ain't really trying to do that. Right. So it sounds like there's this tension. There's this war between the trap house and the church house, and you're kind of being tugged back and forth. Exactly. And then at some point, the trap kind of wins, and you are in that environment. I'd imagine you'd have to figure out ways to hide it from your family, the stuff that you yeah. were involved in. I mean, in. I, I tried, but one thing about that life, you cannot hide. Mm. And even if you try, like from mm. your family and from the police, like mm. it's, it's going to catch up, which is one way or another. I'll never forget the day. Like it, it was so uncomfortable when I had to sit in front of my parents, like both of my parents with three federal officers. You feel what I'm saying? Mm. It's like that, that feeling is so uncomfortable and embarrassing. You feel mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And it's 12 o'clock midnight and, you know, the door rang in. It's the police, you know, telling me to come downstairs. Like, that jump was embarrassing, man. Like, just, mm-hmm. 
I never forget like riding in the back of the police car and watching my mama ride. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing my mama watch me drive off in the police car and like she just that look on her face. I'll never forget that look on her face. It's no feeling this more uncomfortable than that. Yeah. Like, How would you describe the look on her face? It was a look of what? It was just it was a look of she didn't know what to do. Hmm. Like also like at, at this point she didn't really know what was about to happen. Wow. You mentioned a moment that involved a chase in 2013 that was kind of a pivotal mm-hmm. moment for you. To, you know, what, what happened in 2013? Yeah, man, 2013, man. That, boy, that was a year. Just got caught up with the drug scene. And one time, one of these times, we was meeting up with the wrong person. And um, things just went left. So we, as we pulling off, we call ourselves trying to hurry up and run from him, and we just messed with the wrong person that day, and he, he had a gun on him. He shot the car about three times. The back window went out. You know what I'm saying? He shot the side review mirror. Nobody was hit. Like, this bride day, too. This had to be like 3, 4 o'clock, like, bride mm. day. How old are you at the time? I think I'm like 19. Mm. Either 18 or 19 years old. Man, anything could have happened. Like, we could have gotten to an accident, stopped by the police, could have gotten hit. Anything could have happened, but... We just made it to the destination. And I ain't going to lie, like, I be telling for like, that was my last straw incident right there. Like, on that incident, as soon as we made it to our destination, like, I didn't care how cool I looked. I ain't care. As soon as we made it, I fell on my knees thanking God. Like, because mm-hmm. one thing about my relationship with God, like, and, and, I, and I'm thankful for it. And I'm, I, it gives on my nerves sometimes, <laughs> but I'm thankful for it. Like, I feel like my favorite with God be so strong like, he won't let me do something even if I tried to do it. You feel mm. what I'm saying? And he would, but he would still spare me, though. He would punish me, but he would still spare me. You mm. feel what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm thankful for that relationship. But that time right there was a life and death situation. So I feel like I was playing Russian roulette with God. Mm. And um, that situation right there, I feel like God was telling me, all right, like, the next situation ain't going to be that. You feel what I'm saying? Mm. So I feel like I heard that message loud and clear. And from then on, I, I just chose relationship over religion. Because I, I always knew, you feel what I'm saying? But I never walked. I never did the faith walk. And so from then on, I just really started being intentional about my faith, about my relationship. Started getting my word. Started applying it to my life. And I ain't saying I'm a robot either. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm definitely making mistakes. Sure. But I'm definitely more aware for sure. Wow, man, that's a powerful story. So it sounds like essentially at that moment was a turning point where you were like, okay, I'm following God now. I'm giving my life to Christ. And yeah. that was a significant change. And even though it's obviously a work in progress for all of us, there's still an aspect in which that was a pivotal moment. Right. So at that point, how soon after that do you start to feel this calling toward music? Man, I always love music, to be honest. My mother's a creative writing teacher. And uh, I was also in the band for like six years type thing. So it's like I, I love writing and I love music. But just being from Atlanta, like growing up seeing rappers like T.I., Ludacris and stuff like that and just uh, sneaking to watch music videos and different things like that and just watching the culture. I was always intrigued by the culture. But really, this really what made me start doing gospel rap though. Like I told you I went to church in Decatur or whatever and they used to always bring like gospel rappers to minister to the youth and talk to us and give us words and you know just different things like that and that was always always so lame you feel what i'm saying like every time they would come like each and every one of them was so lame and i was like dang like 
I know if I got out there, like I would be able to relate to my, not say my generation, because I'm I'm one of us. So I'll never forget my pastor, what a bishop at the time, uh, long live uh, Bishop Jim Lee Smith. He gave me an opportunity. I did like a little freestyle or whatever at youth night. I did a, a remix to uh, Pretty Boy Swag. I called it Church Boy Swag. I got up there, and ever since then, I just fell in love with it type thing. I was doing gospel rap ever since then. Like, I've I been doing gospel rap for a minute type thing. Like, even when I was still in the street, I was doing gospel rap. Like, mm-hmm. even when I ain't changed my life all the way, wow. I was doing gospel rap, like, the whole time. But God didn't really bless it until I got right. When we come back, few will tell us about how a chance encounter with a Grammy award-winning producer set the stage for his next big move with Reach Records. That's coming next on Where You're From. This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith and formed in community. PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and Certificate Programs. Begin your Master's or Certificate Program in person or online. Financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu slash admit. Hey, y'all, before we get back to our conversation with 1K Few, I wanted to share a quick teaser from our next episode with Rebecca McLaughlin. This is where you're from. I think there's so much rhetoric today that's drawing on Christians in really unhealthy and unhelpful ways that's calling us to fight with weapons other than the weapons that Jesus has given us. And the, the weapons Jesus has given us are the scriptures, prayer and love. Now let's get back into our conversation with 1K Few on where you're from. And I think that's another thing that I'm hearing and you recognize with the type of dynamic relationship that you had with God, it kind of reminds me of like even David, right? Where it's like yeah. when he had this awareness when he was off and he was like that God had favor on his life and had anointed him to be king. But when he was doing this thing with Bathsheba, yeah. God wasn't going to bless his life like he was when he yeah. was completely committed and sold out. Do you see some connection with that? Facts. Facts. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That's almost identical. <laughs> So you, you go out and, I mean, pretty immediately, like, what, Church Going Wild. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the significance of that song that you put out, which has at the end this idea of new church, right? right? So very right. beginning, exactly. there's this sense of newness. Tell us about that song and, and what that meant for you to put it out. Man, that was a big, a big, big moment in my career. Uh, shout out to Zay Tobin, man. That's one of the biggest producers to ever do it, man. And um, just back then, you know, we was doing open mics like almost every weekend at different churches and different event spots. And one church had an open mic cafe one day. And none of this was, this was before like getting paid or anything. Like, we was just doing it. That's another thing. Like, I feel like artists nowadays, like they don't really be wanting to put in the groundwork for real, for real. It's mm-hmm. like back then when we was going out every week, we was doing so much free shows. It was crazy. Like just as long as we were somewhere. I just got a pause to help set this up for you. For those that don't know, Zaytoven is a major producer who has won yeah. a Grammy, uh, you know, for his work with Usher. He's worked with Lil Yachty, Chief Keith, Dietrich Haddon, Waka Flocka right. Flame, all everybody, basically. Right. Gucci Mane, the whole nine. So right. that's who he is. And he's from Atlanta. Right. And he also, you know, has a similar background. But in any case, go ahead. Continue this meeting that you talked about. 
Right, right. So when we go to the open mic, the first person I see is Zaytoven on the keys. Like, this is a church event, and he's on the piano. After the show, I realized, like, that's his dad's church. Like, that's his, that's his father's church or whatever. But anyway, as soon as I came in, I seen him on the keys, and I was like, oh, man, that's Zaytoven. Like, I went up, I did my thing, I performed or whatever, and I went up to him after the show, just to acknowledge him and stuff like that. And um, he ended up telling me, like, man, I rock with your music. Like, I rock with what you're doing. Like, I ain't never seen or heard nothing like you. Like, we had swapped numbers and everything. And then um, he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hit your phone. So uh, the next day, he literally invited me to the house and uh, pulled up to the house. Me and my brother went down to the basement, and uh, I just gave him the flare drive. He put, like, 10 beats on my flare drive. This did go to show you how old this is, too. This is when flare drives was out. Like, <laughs> I gave him my flare drive. He put, like, 10 beats on there. And one of the beats was the Church Gone Wild beat. The first time we performed Church Gone Wild, it was like we knew type thing. Because, of course, like, you know, every song we make, we try to aim for greatness and stuff like that. But it was different. Like when we performed it for the first time and just, I don't know, like it, it just took over. the. It's like the atmosphere just shifted type thing. And mm. ever since then, we just ran with it and making it to the gospel radio station. Then it ended up making it to the mainstream radio station. And it was just it just went crazy from there. And then Church Gone Wild really got the attention of um of Lecrae and, and Reach Records and stuff like that. So that's when that conversation just happened. So Church Gone Wild opened up so many doors in my career. What did the song mean for you? Because there's this image in the video, you yeah. see young people being bold about their faith. You know, yeah. kind of like the going wild is just kind of like going hard, yeah. you know, in this sense of celebration and praise. What did that mean for you? I, I feel like Church Going Wild really meant like just breaking out our shell. Like mm -hmm. I feel like for the longest, especially the young folks, we feel like, well, well really for everybody, really, we feel like we got to go to church and just be in the shell and kind of act fake. And, and as soon as we get out of church, we even if you're not doing nothing crazy, you just don't act like yourself. You feel what right, I'm saying? Right. And I feel like God knows us for who we are. Mm -hmm. He going to see us regardless, whether we put on or not. So mm -hmm. I feel like Church Gone Wild is like, nah, this is the church. We finally coming out our shell. We finally coming as we are and keeping God first. Got you. And so you mentioned that you end up meeting up with Lecrae. Lecrae discovers the music. Yeah. I mean, did you already know who he was and how did that connection happen and what was like yeah, the first? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I, I didn't know him personally, but I knew who he was, definitely for sure. Mm. At the time, I was running with Canton Jones with the KJU camp, opening up for him. Mm. Shout out to Canton yes, Jones. Yes, sir. Too. Like, Kingdom he Business. That was fire, man. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Boy, he opened up a lot of doors, not just for me, but mm. for a lot of people. Okay, so how did you end up getting in touch with Lecrae? Um, the head engineer at Reach Biz. Mm -hmm. And it was a God thing, for sure, because they had already been talking about me, and then I hit him up. Not knowing that they was talking about me. So I hit Biz, the head engineer, and uh, I was just telling him who all I'd be working with and just what all I had going on. And at the time, Cray was working on the album, All Things Work oh, Together. Yes. They had different beats from Zaytoven, Metro, Honorable C, you know, like different producers in the city. You know, like nobody really up here at Reach at the time really was in that pocket. You feel what I'm saying? Right. So they wanted me to come up there originally to help write records for All Things Work Together. So literally the first beat they pulled up was the Hammer Time beat. Like Hammer Time, that was the first song I did Like when I came in there. And then the second song I did, I forgot what it was. But by the second song, it was like, oh, no, nah, we got to get Cray in here. Hmm. So that's when Cray came in. Big 7-8 giant <laughs> type thing. That was the first time I ever seen him. But um, mm -hmm. he came in and he was just rocking with the music. And he was like, your voice sounds too good for you to just write. He was like, I think we got to keep him on. I just thought he was capped. Because, you know, I've been doing music for a little minute. I, I done heard everything. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking he capped. And he was like, man, you can even write a verse. And if it's hard, we'll keep that too. So I still gave it a shot. 
And I tried to write the hardest verse I ever can write. So they end up making it. Well, let me tell you, it was hard. Hammer time goes <laughs> hard. I appreciate that, it. I, when I do my workouts, I, uh, that's that's yeah. my joint. It gives me an extra yeah. couple of reps. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely one of my favorites, man. Church going wild and Hammer Time is yeah. even if sonically they're not my favorite, they're right. definitely my favorite. Like for the meanings and the moments. And you know, and I do want to ask you because obviously there's this theme. You know, we talked about church house to trap house church going wild and then even no church in a while which mm-hmm. is the project that you did with lecrae right you seem to have a real burden for the church doing more to be have more outreach to people who are your friends who right. are the people that you know right you know tell me more about that especially as a younger person in the you know in your 20s yeah. what did you see as the opportunities and the need for the church to be more focused and effective in reaching your peers man just meeting people where they are and not expecting everybody to come to where they at because I feel like most of my partners and bros, they didn't really know who Rich Records or 116 or Gospel Rap was until I came around. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? And I feel like that's how it is, like just all the way around. We just got to start meeting people where they are and showing them like, hey man, like it ain't, it ain't that bad. You know what I'm saying? You can still swag out. You can still be yourself. Like, yeah, you got to work on this. You got to work on that. But we all got to work on something. You feel what I'm saying? You're not alone. A lot of people just need to know that they're not alone. And the, the church is kind of, and not every church, of course, but, you know, some churches kind of painted a picture of like a cult type vibe yeah. type thing. So it's like people feel like they can't be a part of it. But it's like, nah, church is really, church is really open arms. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? It's like, you, you know what I'm saying? You can come on. You can come on with it. I feel like that's where it can start for sure. It just meet people where where they are, and it's different. It's different ways to do that. So it's different ways to do that. Just as far as like giving people examples of things too, because um, that's a lot of the reasoning behind why I wear jewelry. You know what I'm saying? Like why I try to dress well. Like why, you know, why why I try to keep myself up and look presentable because I want to show the younger people you can look up to somebody cool on the kingdom too. Right. You feel what I'm saying? It's like. They don't look up to the dope boys because they sell weed. They look up to the dope boys because of the things they have. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? That's what I'm just trying to present them a better way. That's amazing. And, and I'm curious about what has been the response that you've seen. You know, have you seen people from your crew, people that have reached out to you that have been impacted by this music and this focus that you have on Christ? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All the time. All the time. And people outside like that I don't know. I would definitely say more than the people that I came up with mm. type thing because it's like sometimes I just I just gotta let God work on people like in different ways because I don't know like a few of my partners I would try to I would try to lead and try to help and try to bring but it's like it's like they so deep into the streets mm. they'll almost take it like I'm 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 trying to like come at them mm. type thing a little bit gotcha but you know it but but that's just some of my partners but. Most of my partners, like, they riding with it and they rolling with it, like, and I'm working on my cousins type thing, but it's like, they still have that relationship and they still see me and they still, they know, you know what I'm saying, they don't got to do anything extra. They know that it's not fake or nothing like that because that's a lot of people's issue, you know what I'm saying? They think it's fake. They think you got to put on. They think you got to be something that you're not type thing and that's really what I'm showing I'm like bro like just come to church like just read the word like uh, listen to this passage like you know what I'm saying he really saying this type thing I don't know You like it's just for certain people you just gotta break it down you gotta break it down to the smallest bits 
was there a time where you thought it was fake or do you understand why people have that perception that it's fake? It wasn't a time that I thought it was fake. It was a time that I thought the church, you know what I'm saying, was fake. Okay. Type gotcha. thing. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like the culture, the practices or whatnot, you, you thought that some yeah. of that was, you know, and I think there is sometimes a, a tendency for people to, like you said, put on when they're in a right. certain setting in an environment. How do you cut through that to like help people say it's something deeper and more meaningful than the faults and the failures of those that they might look at as hypocrites? Man, just be just be yourself, man. <laughs> like that's the only way that I learned how to do it. Right. Because even with me being signed to Reach, that was like just the first time with me being around the label setting. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? And I felt like I had to put on and change up right. and be something that I wasn't. You feel what I'm saying? When right. I first got signed. But um, just me going and growing and maturing, I'm figuring out, nah, all I got to do is be myself. The more I be myself, the more comfortable we all going to be in this, and the better everything just going to work. So I said that to say it kind of go hand in hand with the church, too. Got it. It's like you just you, you got to go in and you got to be yourself because the more you be yourself, the stronger you get. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The more you realize what your flaws are, the more you just all the way around become a better person and, and a better child of God. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I got to ask you this before we wrap. So my daughter used to go to KAA all the time, first as a student. KAA! <laughs> and then as a counselor. And so your songs became anthems. For those that don't know, KAA stands for Kids Across America. It's a urban Christian sports camp during the summer in Branson, Missouri. And one of your songs, Fettuccine, was just the anthem of all anthems. But she was like, yo, ask him, what does that mean? What, what, what was the yeah, thought of the yeah. song? So tell, break that down. Man, Fettuccine, get the Fettuccine, then we give the Fettuccine, man. It's like, we get it, then we give it. It's really a song about giving, for real, for real. Mm. Like, we just, you know what I'm saying? You reap what you sow. Gotcha. You feel what I'm saying? Gotcha. So it's like, if, you, if you're selfish, it's going to come back to you. But if you give back everything that you're getting... You know what I'm saying it's gonna come back to you. It ain't really too much of a deep song. It's really, it's really. Hey, you know what I'm, saying? I'm gonna disagree with you. I think that is a deep song that actually reflects yeah. a lot of your life because mm, you fact. saw when you were giving out one aspect, you kept getting trouble and embarrassment and disappointment from your family. But then when you gave your life to Christ, yeah. I see that now. I mean, for you, you to just meet a mega producer in Zaytoven who gives you a beat, yeah. which then introduces you to the biggest Christian label in you know the world. And then you end up getting yeah. on a song with a guy you don't even think would do it because you just met him. Right. And then after right. a result, you do an album with them. Like that's <sighs> extreme giving what you get. Boy, that is a, that is a hallmark movie right there. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> Boy. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. There's so much more I want to dig into, but... Man, we got to do part two. We got to do part hey, two. let's do it, man. Um, yes, sir. You know, let's make it happen. But thank you so much for the time and, and, and for all of what you do. Thank you for turning, you know, your life to Christ and to seeing him shape you into who you are. And, you know, one thing I wanted to say real quick is that your story reminds me of the Philippian jailer in Acts 16 where there's this crisis that happens. He feels like his life, he's about to take his life because he thinks he's about to get killed after an earthquake causes Paul and Silas to be released. And then they say, don't harm yourselves. And everybody's in place. And he says, what must I do to be saved? And they say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Mm. And I think about your family's legacy of faith and the impact that it's had on your life. And now how you're making that impact into the next generation. And so just want to thank you for it. 
and to continue to encourage you to keep it moving. Man, for sure, man, for sure. That's love for sure, man. And to piggyback off of that, man, just I'm definitely taking what I got from my family and applying it to my family too. Like to my wife, my kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just just me being a better husband and father, I'm applying that at the house too. You know what I'm saying? And not just to the world. Of, of course, of course to the world too, but it's like it's like I ain't safe either. Like, you know, I, I gotta follow what I preach. I gotta serve at the house. You feel what I'm saying? This is where you're from. I'm Rossell Berry. And remember, it's not just about where you're at. It's also about where you're from. This show was produced by Ryan Clevenger, Mary Jo Clark, and Jade Gussman, and was engineered by Kevin Burgess. I also want to thank Kino and Austin for their help in supporting and promoting where you're from. Thanks, y'all. Where You're From is part of the Voices Collection from Our Daily Bread Ministries.